Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The tribes would take their tents and be around the tabernacle and facing the tabernacle when you would get up come out your door there was God and God was always in the center of the Israelite people that's a beautiful picture he's in the center he doesn't want second place he doesn't want to be in the third row from the left he wants to be in the center and that was symbolic as they would move from place to place to place God was in the center When God does something miraculous for you, it makes an impression on you, doesn't it? You remember the day it happened, and when you think about that event, it brings a smile to your face. Well, what about after 10 years? 20? You can read the story of Israel's travels through the desert. They kind of took God for granted, complaining all the time. And this, as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, despite God's presence being in the middle of their camp. Today, you'll learn how to do better than that. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 8 as he begins his message, The New Covenant in Conscience. chapter 9. Just recently in our Florida Today, you probably saw the article. The headline says this, former school employee sends $500 to the Brevard County School Board. What happened is a former Brevard public school employee said he or she, it was anonymous, so we don't know, had lived with guilt too long. They admitted to stealing school supplies a number of years ago, and they sent $500 to the school board in a simple act of contrition. The writer said, no one knew but God. And then she said this, and until that day, they hadn't sought forgiveness. I have asked for forgiveness, and now I'm asking for yours. My Bible teaches restitution, and this is the amount I was impressed to give back with interest to the school board. What is our conscience? Can we always trust our conscience? Can a conscience be trained? And what does our conscience have to do with guilt? And how can we have a clear, spiritual, healthy conscience? Let me just give you a definition of the conscience. Our conscience is a moral sense of right or wrong that affects our thoughts and our behavior. All of us have 
a God-given conscience. Chapter 9, Hebrews, is all about living with a clear conscience, something that was really never totally possible in the Old Testament. We begin chapter 9, verse 1. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. Remember in chapter 8, we saw that the old covenant, or the first covenant, had been made obsolete by the new covenant. Paul is reminding these Jewish Christians that the old tabernacle, though useful, was limited. And it was simply a type or a pattern of that which was going to come. And as we've seen all the way through the book of Hebrews, there was going to be a better sanctuary, a better way for man to worship, a better way for man to have a clean conscience. Verse 2. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, or a term that you might use, the holy of holies, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement center or the mercy seat. Then Paul, the writer, says this, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. We're going to discuss them a little bit. And the reason is, he didn't really need to discuss them because his audience was Jewish. They'd been raised with this all their life. You and I, it's a little different. We never really had an opportunity, unless you've been to maybe a tabernacle kind of set up, if you've been over to Orlando, or if you, there's one that we visit quite often in the, when we go on our Israel trips. Uh, and I think there's even one in Merritt Island that you can kind of go and get an idea about. So Paul says, I'm reminding you of how it was. And we know this, that the temple, which was the modernization of the tabernacle, solid, was in Jerusalem at that time. So they knew about this tabernacle and they were very familiar with all of it that was happening. Now it's interesting because sometimes people think, well, who cares about tabernacle? Well, interesting. The Bible gives us two chapters on creation and 50 chapters describing the temple and the tabernacle. That maybe ought to say something to us, that there's a lot of applications. We'll make a few. Paul says, I'm not going to go into detail about the old because I want to talk about the new, the better the better way to worship and access God. Now, now you remember the tabernacle, Exodus, God said this, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. So this is the way that man worshiped God. This was the place. And I want you to just get a picture in your mind right now. Limited access 
and limited efficacy. Limited access, limited efficacy. In other words, if you wanted to go in, you couldn't. If you wanted to go in the Holy Holy, for sure you couldn't. And as we'll see, constant sacrifices, day in, day out. Now, the tabernacle was simply tent-like structure, and God dwelt there, and it was movable. And they would be able to take it down, and as God moved and they moved, they just moved along with it, would set it up. It was rarity to go. An Israelite entered the temple court through the gate at the east. There was one way into the temple, one gate. Does that remind you of anything? Jesus said, I am the way. And remember, Jesus also said he is the door to God. So there's all those kind of things that you could spend time and time and time again on. And of course, as they went in, then there were the altars for the burnt offering and the labor and the water where the priest would have to get in and wash, actually kind of basically take a mini bath before they carried out their sacred duties. The tabernacle was 14 feet long, 15 feet wide and 15 feet high. Broken into two compartments. The first, that we already talked about, the holy place, 30 feet long. And the second, the most holy place, was 15 feet long. Now, what do we find inside? The holy place had the golden lampstand, or the menorah, which is simply a a picture of Israel still today. It stood on the south side. It was beaten out of a talon of solid gold. The lamps were fed with pure olive oil. They were always lit. Since there were no windows in the tabernacle, the lampstand provided the necessary light for the priest's ministry in the holy place. Now look at this verse, and it will begin to remind us of some things. Isaiah 42. I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. And I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. Remember, the nation of Israel was to be a light to all the other nations in the world. You know that they failed in that. Because of that, when Jesus came to the earth, he made this incredibly bold statement. John eight twelve. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I and the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So even as we pick up that first golden lampstand, the light was always on. For you and I, the light should always be on. We are to be a light a reflected light. We are the light of the world now that Jesus is gone, and that's you and I, and we're here, and we're to shine for him. And as we do that, that's how people continue to come to our church. How do all those people get invited to Vera? How do all these people now be coming here? Somebody's inviting them. You guys are. Good job. That's what it's all about, the light, the light of the world. The next thing in the holy place was the table of showbread. Every Sabbath, 12 loaves were made, one for each tribe of the finest flour, two rows of six. Every Sabbath, the priest would remove the old loaves, put the fresh ones on the table, and the old loaves would be eaten only by 
the priests. The loaves were called the bread of presence. And the table was called the table of presence. It reminded the 12 tribes of God's presence that sustained them. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the bread and I sustain you. He's the bread as well as the light. Third, the altar of incense. That was symbolizing the prayers of the people rising to God. That basically was burned every morning and every evening. You'd go by that temple and that altars were just going full time. And they were just being born morning and evening. And there was that incense going to God, always representing God. Now, one of the things that we learned earlier is this temple, the tribes would take their tents and be around the tabernacle and facing the tabernacle. When you would get up, come out your door, there was God. And God was always in the center of the Israelite people. That's a beautiful picture. He's in the center. He doesn't want second place. He doesn't want to be in the third row from the left. He wants to be in the center. And that was symbolic as they would move from place to place to place. God was in the center. Next was the Holy of Holies. In front of the Holy of Holies, there was a veil. You know about it. Made of fine twine linen, embroidered in scarlet and purple and blue. The curtain closed off the most holy place, preventing anyone from entering or even looking inside. It symbolized one thing that maybe we ought to have a little more of it. The holiness of God versus the sinfulness of man. Unapproachable by man. Today, God is just kind of a a word. But this was a holy God. Only the high priest could enter here and that once a year on the Day of Atonement. And you know all the elaborate preparations that he had to go to. On that annual day, the high priest would enter the place, sprinkle the blood on the top of the ark, the atonement cover, the mercy seat, to atone for the sins of the entire nation for that year. Within the holies of holy, there was also the ark. We'll talk about this more later, of the covenant. It contained three things. The golden pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the law. And as I said, each of these furnishings and parts had a spiritual meaning. We don't have time to get into that, but they were simply really the symbols of the reality that would come with this new covenant. Paul was talking about to these people, don't even think of going back under that, because you have a better way to worship God. Let's look at verse 6. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly... Notice regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. Now the Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. Notice that the priests, they were given access to enter, but it was limited access. 
And then, of course, into the holies of holies, it was very limited. One high priest could enter that, and only once a year. Notice back in verse 6, a key word. The priest entered that place to offer sacrifices how often? Regular. Now, why would they do that? What were they offering sacrifices for? Sins of the people. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know why they went in regularly. Go ahead, just... Let's tell them. That isn't a sneaky thing, is it? Is anybody confused at that point? No, you know why they went in, because we're what? We're sinners. And we sin on a, sorry to say, quite often on a regular basis. We don't approach God. That perfection never can. Now, as we grow in the Lord, we sin less, but we never become perfect. So there was limited access, and notice the sacrifices that would always be required required blood, but there was limited access and limited efficacy. In other words, the weakness of the old covenant was there. Two things you may want to write, and it just singles these because it challenges us to be Encouraged, even though we never were under this old covenant, we need to understand how beautiful that is. The old covenant, there it is. And then the new covenant, you're going to see I have unlimited access. And it's really, I mean, it takes care of every one of my problems. Full efficacy, full, 100%, right on. And as I was thinking about this limited access I don't know why I thought about it, but those of you that have ever traveled to Europe, maybe the very first time you traveled to Europe, when you could afford to travel to Europe, now pounds over two bucks, euros, whatever, I mean, it's a fortune. But I remember the first time we traveled to Europe, and some of you maybe had this shock too, you go into a place, a restaurant, and you're going to have a cup of coffee. And they bring you this little cup, and they pour the coffee. And you go like, oh, okay. And you say to the person, another cup, please. And you had three or four cups. Anybody been there? And then when you left, what did you find out? It was limited access. The what? You got one cup free, and the rest you paid for. Every single refill you pay for. There is no such thing. Now today, if you go to Europe, and you're smart, where do you go? You go to McDonald's. Especially for Cokes, because you can get a big refill and do all the rest, but there's limited access. See, the old covenant was kind of like going to Europe. Put the cup out there. That sacrifice, the animal that you just brought, took care of it, what, for today. Tomorrow there'll be another one. Next week there'll be another one. Well, with Christ, I mean, once and for all, finished, done, over with. Turn with me quickly. How did this symbolically happened to Matthew. We'll be right back to Hebrew, Matthew chapter 27. If you think about that, of course, these people knew it. If they'd ever been to Jerusalem for the Jewish holidays, they knew their access was limited. They couldn't get ever into the Holy of Holies, ever. And if you look down at verse 50, you remember this so well. We always talk about it at Easter. But here was a picture that, well, it took the limited access to unlimited access. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. 
At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. So, as he's talking about the new that's getting ready to come here, what's the difference? Well, on that day when that old curtain was just torn from top to bottom, and you could enter right in. It was symbolic that now there was direct access. No more limited. No more limited access. Direct access right into God. See, to us, who've always had direct access, it doesn't mean much. But to these Jewish people, it was huge. In fact, they couldn't get their arms around it. And many people that have all their life been religious don't get it. They continue to think they have to do good enough. So they're on this treadmill of doing good enough to get to God. Because they've never understood the price has already been paid. You can't earn it. You can't be on the treadmill of good works. You can be on it all your life, every day, three hours a day, till you die. And you can't pay for it. You can never be good enough. So we had to understand the same thing, that the way was opened into the Holy of Holies. The way was opened for every single person. No need for the Holies of Holies and anymore and that kind of thing. A believing sinner could come right into the access of God. Impossible before. Impossible. Any person can approach God and ask forgiveness for their sins. Now back to Hebrews 9.9. This is an illustration, notice the writer, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. How do you look at a conscience? Here's what it is. It's like a moral traffic light or like a spiritual alarm system. Your conscience, my conscience. It'll tell me when to stop. It'll tell me when to slow down. Caution. Be careful. It'll tell me when to go. When I see a green light in my spirit, go ahead. When we see a red light, stop. When we see a yellow light, mm, better think about that. Better go another way. Okay? Why did this lady finally become honest and send $500 to the school board because God continued to deal with her on that issue until she went, you know, that really wasn't right all these years. I'm going to clear my conscience. I'm going to do what I need to do, give restitution, and then I'll be done with it. So a conscience is a very, very good thing. Now, it keeps us in line with God's will. It's actually a gift from God to us. Today in Pastor Mark's teaching, you found out about your conscience. You learned that it's something God put inside you to be kind of a guide, showing you right from wrong. You heard that in the same way, the law of Moses was to point you to God. Pastor Mark told you that the Mosaic law was useful but limited because it was a type of the original, not the original itself. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this message, The New Covenant and Conscience. He'll spend some time going over the parts of the original Tabernacle of Moses, showing you their relationship to Jesus' new covenant. Pastor Mark will talk about Christ followers' direct access to God himself and how religious people just don't understand that. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.